You know, I picked up this vision book. Dr. Davis wrote this book back in 1994. That's how old this book is. And I still have one. If you were a member at that time, everyone received one. And you should hold fast to it. Why? Because it's still alive. The plan of God is still alive. Hallelujah. And um, I'm going to read an excerpt from it this morning. Hallelujah. Before I do that, I want to remind everybody April the 16th is coming up. That's the third Sunday of April. Pastor Phil and Pastor Barbara will be here. They are my spiritual parents, and they are the covering over this church. And I want you to be here because there will be an impartation, not just a good sermon or dedicating the building, but there's going to be an impartation that you don't want to miss. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, turn your Bibles, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 2. And just when I thought I was through with the plan, God always brings expansion. Hallelujah. But what I'm encouraging you to do this morning, because this is just the introduction. You know how God does us. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, Unto good works, which God hath before ordained. See that word ordained is there again. That we shall walk in them. All right. So the plan for each of our lives were created before. Say before. before. You ever showed up. There was already a plan existing for you. See, you got to understand God is the greatest planner that ever is. Because he never was. He always is, because God is always current. Mm. So before, before time was even calculated on the earth, there was a plan for your life, and you need to know that. Now, the fact that Adam failed didn't change God's plan for you and I. It did not change what God wanted you and I to do. And according to the scripture we just read, it says he, he created in Christ Jesus unto good works that we have been ordained to do what? Good works. Now, in, in according to what I'm hearing, that means that if God had created a plan for me to do, sounds like the laws of prosperity, this is just a continuation, that if God created a plan for me to do, then there must be a supply to do the job. Okay, so now every supply was abundantly put into the plan, not just enough for you to live on. There was an abundance of supply put in the plan for your life. Ooh. And it's not just money. Say it's not just money because right away we, do, we go money. But we miss a lot of the other things that come along with the plan, like health, good marriages, children raised right. See, we miss all of that stuff because we're chasing the money side. All of it. Say all of it. It's in the plan for you. Hmm. 
Sometimes we need a supply of other people because we need other people to speak into our lives. That's another thing that most young believers, look, you got all the wrong people talking to you, but you won't listen to those who got wisdom from God. See, that's the plan of the devil to keep you ignorant and fighting something you can't win. You need to hear me because a lot of people got caught in that trap. They're getting their guidance from the world and the TV. And not from the word. The average person that go to church, they don't pay their pastor any mind. It's just something they do out of a ritual. But when they go home, they listen to the, the reality shows, How to Live Life. They've taken a poll and proven it. Because it is playing out. So you play out your life based on your favorite reality show. Mm-hmm. But God prepared for you in advance before you ever showed up. God prepared for you. How many of you that ever been pregnant that's in this room, you know you can't wait till the baby come to start buying stuff? You do what? You plan and you prepare because you what? You, you, you chose the baby. And since you chose the baby, that makes you responsible for their supply. So if God chose you, that makes him responsible for your supply. Oh, Jesus. Now, God planned it, but he cannot say he cannot. He can't walk the plan out for you. He planned it, but he can't walk it out for you. So if he planned the path, but I must walk the path. I must decide I'm going to walk the path he planned. Because in that path, what is in that path? Abundant supply. Hmm. And as we walk the path God chose for us, this verse tells us what would happen. It says that God would, that we should walk in them, that we'll be walking in the good life. Mm. Now, good life doesn't necessarily mean you won't have any situation opposing you, but anything that's opposing you is trying to get you all the good path. You got to know that. Wait a minute. Let me say it again. Wait a minute. You mean God pre-appraised. You know, I, I get a little humor serving that day because I talk to myself. My son got that from me. I preach to myself or I preach to you. So God only prearranged, say prearranged, the good life for us. Look at John 10. So God only prearranged a good life for us. Woo, Jesus, you need to hear that. John 10, 10 says, the thief, say the thief. Now, you can't call God a thief, can you? Okay, so who are he talking about? He's talking about the devil. The devil cometh not, but for this reason only, for these reasons only, but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I, I have come. I have a plan that you might have life 
and that you might have it more, say more, abundantly. Oh, so there was only a good life plan for me. So since the thief only comes in order to steal and to kill and destroy, Jesus said, I came with a different plan. I came that you can have an abundance of life. Because that's the path he chose for you. So then can I get an agreement in this room and online that God did not plan your sorry field, worry field, and fear fulfilled life? He did not plan that for you. Oh, Jesus. That was never in his plan. And we got to take God out of our struggle. You know, you say, we say, I'm struggling because I, I, I began to have problems. Once I got born again, then you look like everything came against me. My children did this. My wife don't like me no more. My, th that stuff was already in your house. My money started acting funny. Not because you got born again. It was always present. You just never paid it any mind. You had blinded the devil with, had you deceived that things were going well when they were not. And all he did was magnify the problem you always had. Because now you got, you're not serving him, see? And the devil get mad with you. He makes sure you, you get all the hiccups. But don't blame it on God. Make it seem like, well, I got born again, then I start having troubles. No, you had trouble because you were not in the good plan that God ordained for you. The Bible said the way of a transgressor is hard. So financial struggles are not a part of God's plan for us. Listen, the closer we walk in the plan of God for our lives, the better our life is. I, I, I'm a, I'm, I can bear witness to that. I, I, I am a testimony because when Dr. Davis and I first started out in marriage, we struggled financially. Was it God's fault? We were both born again. What happened? We were struggling. Say struggling. Oh, we were struggling. <laughs> Wait, but didn't you just say it was not God's will that we were to struggle financially? Absolutely. Something was missing. Even though we were born again and we were tithing and giving. Now, we weren't being taught about tithing and giving, except that you need to do it. You understand? But we were struggling. What was missing? We lack revelation knowledge. Say revelation knowledge. Of, his, of God's plan for us. See, you got to tie into the plan. Say lay hold of the plan of God for your life. See, you got to lay hold to the plan. This is why I'm teaching you this way. Because if you don't grab hold of it, God can't. See, you got to walk that path so he can fulfill his word unto you. Oh, Jesus. That we, like so many others, had limited understanding. We didn't even have basic understanding of being born again, not even talking about tithing and giving 
or God's plan for us. We we would we understood that you if you get born again, you miss hell. And that's where a lot of people stop. So when you don't know your purpose or the God plan that's been prearranged for you, you will abuse what God has given to you. You will take your born again and begin to use it as a mechanism to struggle through life. And you actually say you glorify God when you're not. Your struggles don't glorify God. It's a sign of something you don't know. It's like a headache. We, we'll treat the headache, but a headache is a symptom of there's something that's wrong in your body. It could be stress. It could be weariness. It could be tiredness. It could be a lot. But when you get a headache, it's a symptom. It is not a disease. And what we've been trying to do is treat the headache, but you need to get to the root that's creating the headache. Might be your diet that you eat. You might be eating too much stuff that create headaches. You need to find out because headaches is a symptom. Say headaches are a symptom. It's like buying a lot of tissue for the cold, but you don't treat the cold. Okay, so y'all got to. So when we don't know our purpose, the God, the good plan prearranged for you, you will abuse what's been given to you. In other words, you will mishandle or devalue the plan of God. You will never lay hold of the plan the way God designed for you to lay hold of the plan. Because you think being born again, I'm missing hell, and that's all I need. Everything else is left up to me. How, how I live, how much I earn. See, you, you say, oh, that's up to me. And it's not. There's a plan. Say, there's a plan that God has already orchestrated for you. That's a good plan. One of the reasons it took Dr. Davis and I so long to discover the correct path was where we were living just for ourselves. Oh, Jesus. We were living just for ourselves. We didn't know any better. Okay. Something we had to learn is that living in the path that God designed for us was not just for us. This is the mistake so many Christians make. We live for ourselves alone. Unless a seed goes into the ground and dies is a seed all by itself. No fruit can come from a seed in your hand. So no fruit comes out of your life because you're living unto yourselves. Mm. But we were designed to have contact and impact every person that meet us. We are supposed to live for every person that come into our pathway. Oh, Jesus. There should, we should be a blessing to every person we meet. There should be words coming out of your mouth. Or God may speak to you to do something. But you should be prepared. Because now when you're living unto yourself, you can sort of fade out people around you. 
So Dr. Davis I, and I had to learn to be a deliberate, say deliberate, blessing to others. When it looked like, say when it looked like, we didn't have anything. See, in order to get in that good path, ooh, you, you, you got to learn how to be a blessing. And as we walk out the plan of God for us, we became a greater blessing and eventually became an example, say an example. Of the good life. And I still do that today. I am an extreme giver. You say, what? I'm an extreme giver. My children come to my house. They say, mama, you don't need that, do you? Y'all got any children that just, they come shop your house for their house. You got to be a giver <laughs> to do that. I, I was looking at one of my daughters, uh, what you call that, Instagram, YouTube, one of them things. I said, that girl got my whole kitchen in her house. <laughs> but that's my baby. I don't care. I'm an extreme giver. And, you know, I'm going to talk about something later on because, see, that talking has a lot to do with it. But when you begin to learn how to give, not just here, but everywhere you are, you should be a giver. Because you're working the plan of God. See, we don't live deliberately to become a blessing to everybody we see. So we're missing opportunities for increase. Mm. So if we remain stingy or scarce or scarce giver, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 talks about that scarce giver. We would only get glimpse, say glimpse of the path, but we wouldn't be in the direct path. <laughs> you'll get a glimpse of it because you're still traveling, but you're not on the good life path yet because it requires some, some work of you to walk the good life. Mm. But we be, we'll be getting a glimpse of it. You say, oh, look at that over there. Look at that house over there. Oh, they just built that community. But you won't go in that community. Oh, Jesus. And you won't even plan in your heart that you would live in a mansion over there. Because you're on the wrong path. You're still stingy. You're on there where they get, they, something gets to you every now and then. See, when something comes in scarce, it does, it's, it's not repeated. It's not over and over and just continuously. You get some every now and then. Oh, Jesus. Are anybody learning but me this morning? So if Dr. Davis and I had remained stingy, because, you know, we grew up understanding you get all you can and can all you get. Because we live in poverty. And poverty gives you a different mindset about life. This is why God never ordained poverty. Because it reconstructs your mental ability to perceive good life. And we'll think having a loaf of bread, and ain't no wrong with having a loaf of bread. If that's where you are, don't get condemned. But we'll think that's, that's the good life. And as long as God gives us a loaf of bread, we are right. When God said, I got a whole 
plant over here waiting to give you some food. And you talking about a loaf of bread. You stuck on a loaf of bread. Get in this path over here where I've, I have ordained for you. There'll be no shortages. Bread will be the least of your concern. Woo, Jesus. You won't even have to consider bread. It just show up. When you go in your dining room or your kitchen or wherever you eat, bread will be present. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Look at Ephesians. See, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to stir you up that you'll get a desire to do it God's way. And come, out, come off that struggle plan. And stop confessing that you're struggling. Stop confessing that you got problems in your house. You, see, you, you put yourself in that path of a struggle. God didn't do it. And because you want to align your words with what he say about you, then God has no choice but to let you struggle. Not because he ordained struggle for you. You keep putting it on yourself as though God is happy with it. And he's not. You don't have to struggle any longer than you are willing to trust God. The struggle is over the moment you start trusting God's way. The struggle is over. You just got to walk it out. The struggle is over. Man, I can't tell you how easy it is to go to sleep. In fact, I, I laid down about 1130 last night. That was kind of rare for me on a Saturday night. But, and I got back up and I said, oh. It was only like 1.30, 2 o'clock, something. I said, okay. I said, I'm going to get up at 6.30. I didn't get up to 8 o'clock. The Lord said, you needed to sleep. <laughs> and I'm going like, I got to leave the house by night. But you see, this is what planning does. I planned everything I was going to wear from stockings to shoes to pocketbook. Everything was prearranged. So when God gave me the extra sleep, I had to scramble what I was going to put on. Where this was, that was, this was, that was. I could just go to it, take my shower, and keep moving. And left my house the same time I would have left if I got up at 6.30. See, that's the kind of planning God is. God plans like that. And when you don't plan your life right, you're going to. So, see, I would have come here real hectic, and you would have noticed it. And it would have impacted the anointing had I got up rushing. Lord Jesus. But when you plan is something for God, you plan everything about yourself. Look at verse 9, Ephesians 1, verse 9. Mm. Ephesians 1, verse 9 through 11. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his what? Good pleasure which he had purposed in himself. So this plan was devised in God. He didn't need you to be present. You were present in him. And he devised this good purpose, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, that he might gather together in one all things in Christ. So where is the good pleasure and the good path and the good will and all these things? In Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. All us is in him. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Oh, my word. Being predestinated. Woo, Jesus. 
Okay, so predestinated means I was prearranged. That's all it means. Pre-planned. We being pre-planned according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So this is why we must get in his will. Because everything going to work according to his will. You can't drag God over there to your path and think you're going to get his good will. So people came up with a permissive will and God's will. There is no permissive will. You're in a lane called disobedience. <laughs> there is no permissive will. Woo, Jesus. Now turn over to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9. See, he got a plan. He's got a plan. Oh, Jesus. And to make all men see. See, he got to get us to see. What is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things through or by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. So God trying to get the church to see his intent. He's got to get the church to know his intent. We need to see what he had planned for us all along. Mm. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, this purpose, this plan was already thought out. You're struggling unnecessarily. And it doesn't matter if the devil tried to act out in your house. Let me tell you something. He acting out because he don't want you to do right. He trying to get you to trip. So you'll never come out of the mess. See, it, that's, that's the devil's plan for you. And you got to understand that. And look, go right back to Ephesians 1. Let's look at verse 17. Woo, hallelujah. Are you learning this morning? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. And what? Revelation. Because that's what's missing. We don't have a revealed knowledge of the plan of God for our lives. He says, I'm praying that you may get the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know, say no, not assume, but know, not guessing, but know, not hoping, but know. What is the hope of his calling? What he expects to get from his calling you. The hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. There's a deep, rich inheritance that's in you that the devil has devised to make sure it stay covered up. He keeps you chasing distractions. Look like you get ahead and your children start acting stupid. You get ahead a little bit and you go back and then you say, okay, we got to start from scratch. No, you don't. 
Let me tell you, can I help your parents that got children disobedient? Put them in the right category. They're sinners. Stop trying to handle them like they say children. <laughs> Put them on the altar of your heart and leave them. Then you worship and praise God. You live holy and righteous in your house. Stop chasing all that nonsense. Let me tell you something. If I had a rebellious child in my house that were coming against what I believe, I would, and, and let's say they were a minor, because some of y'all got grown kids, some of you got minor. If they were a minor, now, if they grown, we can say, look, th there's a world out there you need to discover. And that's all I'm going to say about that because we got parents that are too scared to do what's right for the child. We're trying to appease our feelings. And they're whipping your hind pots with their words. But if I had a rebellious child living in my house and they were minor, I wouldn't cook for them. I wouldn't wash no clothes. I wouldn't buy them another stitch or nothing. They wouldn't have no cell phone. You paying for all this stuff. What's wrong with you? Now I'm giving you a guidance session right from the pulpit. I wouldn't do another nothing for them. You can't keep supporting rebellion. Y'all don't know how to break rebellion. You think you got to live with it, love them. You can't take a stick out and whip them because that doesn't work. That make them more rebellious. You got to break them. And you can't do that giving them what they want. You say, you mean, oh, no, they, they, they old enough to cook, get in there and cook. If it's some food in the house, you cook for yourself. I'm cooking for me and my husband. You don't need to eat what we eat. You can eat whatever's in there. <laughs> see, y'all, you, see, you need a lesson from on how to deal with rebellion. Because some of you dealing with these kind of situations, and I'm trying to help you this morning. And if you listen to me, you, you're going to come out this all right. Don't be afraid they're going to leave the house. They're going to do it anyway at the rate you're doing it. They're going to leave you anyway. Help them leave sooner. So you can have some P-E-A-C-E, -E, some peace. Push them right on out the door. You said what? Yep. And then you maintain your prayer life for them. Because sometimes your faith doesn't work well when you got all that commotion going on inside. Because you're always dealing with upheavals. But if you get it out, the Bible said get the strife out. You know the word. So we see, the, go back to verse, where did I stop? Okay, look at verse 18 again. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So you got to understand something. When, when, we, when we're living this life, things not going to always look good to people that we love. Come on. And they're not going to always understand your new life. Quit trying to explain it. Just do it. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, Ward, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So we see right here, look, look at verse, keep reading. And have put far above all principality and power. Oh, oh, wait a minute. 
and dominion and every name that is named. Oh, oh, you mean my children, the devil that's working in my children, is working in my finances, or working against my health? Oh, they got a name? Yeah, it's called stealing. It's called killing. It's called destruction. Call it for what it is. And he says, but you have been raised far above all those kind of principalities. Above all principalities. There's nothing that the devil can do that's higher than the word of God. Oh, Jesus. Nothing has ever overcome the word of God. Nothing. King Jesus spoke and that's it. Grab, lay hold of that plan. Come on, say, I will lay hold of the plan. Yes, Lord. Woo. He says, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. <laughs> and have put all things, all things, under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Woo. So what Jesus did, he came and he embodied everything. And then showed us what we're supposed to look like. And it's all in him. So the plan of God for you is in him. He deposited in your imagination. But the plan came out of him. Mm. Now, I'm getting ready to close it just a little bit. You can only bear much fruit. Say much fruit. Being in the plan of God for you. And see, you were designed to bear much fruit, not scarce fruit, much fruit, say much fruit. So if you are born again, but out of the will of God for you, you may bear a measure of fruit, but it never seems to be continuous. But you would not bear much fruit. You would not bear all that is expected of you. See, the plan expects you to bear much fruit. Much fruit. Why? Because one day we're going to all have to stand before God and give an account for the fruit that we were supposed to bear according to God's plan for our lives. Not what we did according to what we wanted to do. Or had time to do. But what he expected. You to produce. Oh Jesus. Now that was a different tone. Because his expectation for you. Is far greater. Than what you've ever thought about yourself to do. There are people God designed for you to reach. They're waiting to hear the voice of God through you. And God is expecting you to do it. And because you've had some distractions, does not erase the plan, nor the expectation of God. Woo, Jesus. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.10. And I'm getting ready to close. Second Corinthians 5:10, because I, I feel I feel like y'all, y'all can't handle much more. Second Corinthians 5:10. And if you can, we'll be back next Sunday. Second Corinthians 5:10. 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he have done, whether it be the good plan, I'm, I'm adding plan, or the bad plan. Everybody has to give an account. Now, this should matter to each one of us, whether or not we're in the good plan or the bad plan we chose. It should matter. Hallelujah. I'm going to read what Dr. Davis put in here. He says, Rapture, I'm not going to read the hooker, that's the old name we had. Rapture Worship Center has been commissioned to make plain and simple the uncompromised word that the manifold wisdom of God might be revealed against the enemy through the church. The Bible has been a very complex book for millions of Christians to understand in times past. And as a result, many have acquired a gross misconception of God's original intent for mankind. His word clearly acknowledges that the mystery was kept secret since the world began, but was reserved in Christ to be revealed at the appointed time. It should be no secret that every man, woman, boy, and girl is responsible for an accurate understanding of God's word and a right relationship with God through intimate fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Our vision is to help fulfill the desire of the Holy Spirit, to release the power of his presence through anointed teaching, and to demonstrate the authority of God's kingdom in a very practical way. Now, this is very, this is very current, but this was written in 1994. And the vision goes on. Hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet. Did we learn this morning? Hallelujah. 